This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Thanks for being with us for our latest podcast. Today we chat with one of the many talented infielders in the Rays system in Alika Williams, and we'll hear from him and his manager, Blake Butera. Now, we also have a community segment you'll want to hear. This week, of course, was Martin Luther King Day, and the Rays have announced their 2021 racial equity grant winners, as well as the beginning of the application period for 2022. Senior Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Stephen Thomas, will join me to discuss that. But we start with prospect Alika Williams. Now, Alika waited more than a year before making his pro debut. Williams, a first-round pick of the Rays in 2020, showed plenty of promise in the 73 games that he did play this past season. Williams hit 267 and, maybe more important, struck out in just 16% of his plate appearances while excelling defensively. More than that, he was part of two of the winningest clubs in minor league baseball this year. I asked Alika what it meant to make his pro debut nearly a year after he was drafted. Yeah, I mean, that was a bizarre draft, but it, it was definitely a long wait. And uh, yeah, we were all itching to get out on the field again. Tell me what this year was like for you. Um, what did you get out of it? What did you learn from it? You know, how, how do you think it helped you? I think this year was a, a really big learning year. Just, um, you know, playing every day. It's different from what I'm used to. In college, obviously, you play three, four times a week, and then you get to minor league baseball and you're playing every single day. So I think just learning how to maintain your body and uh, get into a routine that you can do, crank out every single day to stay healthy was probably one of the the biggest things that I was able to learn and kind of get acclimated to. Was there anything that surprised you at all as you went through the year? Like, I didn't expect it to be like this, or I didn't think... This is different than I thought it might be. Um, I, I think we were a little spoiled in Charleston, but I was not expecting to have a fan base like that. I mean, playing in Charleston was unbelievable. We were, we were selling out like three, four nights a, a week. So I think we, we were a little lucky to, to, to be in Charleston for sure. You brought up Charleston, but you played in Charleston, you played in Bowling Green, and you played in Durham at some point during the year, and all of those teams ended up winning at all. So do you get three rings? How does this work? Um, I honestly have no idea. That would be something special, wouldn't it? But uh, I think I'm, I, I'm hoping I get one in Charleston and in Bowling Green. I, I think the Durham one might be a little bit of a stretch, but y- you never know. <laughs> you never know. What does it mean, though, to be – I mean, obviously you came from a really good college program to be a winner. What does winning mean to you, and how important is it to you in the development process? Uh, my my college coach Tracy Smith put it put it best. I mean, my junior year, I remember a couple of us were were pressing a little bit, and he said, "If you just focus on winning, that usually means you're playing pretty well." So I've taken that to the next level, and it really helps with just focusing on you know the team aspect. And 
if you are winning, you're usually playing well. And it, it's true. And um, just every team that I was at this year, it was uh, it was really cool to see how close everyone was. It, it was not – that was another thing I was not expecting was just, like, the team camaraderie and just, like, the chemistry. It was awesome. For most organizations, it's hard to replicate that college experience. Was this – as mm-hmm. close as you could have imagined it would be? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, especially in Charleston, the team I was with for, for, the, the most, for most of the year, it was we were just wanted to win every night, and we were having so much fun just showing up to the field, like knowing we were going to win, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So I, I would definitely say that was the closest I would have expected to come to you know, a college team atmosphere. Now, obviously, I joked with you a little bit about winning three wing, three rings, but that also did lead to the fact that you did get a week or so at the AAA level. I talked to Curtis Mead about that, too. Tell me what that meant to you. What did you learn being up in AAA for a week, and what did you, what did you get out of that experience? I think being up in AAA for that week was probably the coolest baseball experience I've had so far um, just in my career. And it was really cool just to see, like, they knew exactly what they needed to do every day. Um, and they just, they were just so dialed in with what they needed and what they had to do and what they had to get done. And it was eye-opening, honestly, uh, to get that little taste of AAA. Did it help you when you came back? And, like, did you adjust your routine or did you start to say, hey, maybe I need to work on this? Or did it change much for you? I think it was eye-opening in a sense, like, okay, this is where I need to get to. And especially right before the off season, it, it was, it, it gives you a little extra uh, just inspiration, you know, to <laughs> do that extra rep or be that much more focused in the off season to get back to that stage. So uh, it, it was awesome. I could not have asked for a better experience. So tell me what your off season, like, what did you learn? You, you mentioned you wanted, you know, the, the strength, the, the ability to maintain, have you decided, Hey, I need to get stronger physically or I need to get quicker? What are some of the things that you've kind of said, hey, this is a priority now? I mean, uh, at the end of the season, we have meetings and pretty much everyone said, just, you know, just get stronger. Uh, I think your body's going to, my body's going to be the biggest thing that I need to focus on. And so that's been the biggest uh, focus is just getting stronger and bigger and faster, you know, um, hitting the weight room hard and, I think that it is true that that's that's one of the things that that could hold me back. So how much did you lift? I'm not talking about pounds, but how often did you lift at Arizona State? How much of that was a priority then? And now that you have, let's say you're not worrying about classes, you're not worrying about games to prepare for. How much different is an offseason day now for you? Now you can focus on it. Uh, Compared to college, I mean. Now I'm in the weight room, like at least for two hours, two, three hours a day, either whether it's stretching mobility or it's actually like moving weight. So, and then after that, I I head to the field and I'm doing sprint work and hitting in the cage. Like I just got done doing or taking ground balls. So my whole day is, is dedicated towards baseball now. Whereas in college, it would be, you know, crank out a class, like some homework for a class, then go to the weight room for an hour, then, you, you know, you had to break it up and mix in schoolwork. Now, with, without that, it's, it's all baseball, which is it's just awesome. So tell me, have you gained weight already since the end of the offseason, or are you having to add, like, 
you know, some people have to put on a ton of calories because they have high metabolism. What's kind of been your, your routine now? Yeah, uh, from the end of the off season, I'm up, I think it's 11 or 12 pounds. So it's, 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 it's definitely easier when you're not playing every day. You're not, you know, you're not playing nine innings every night. But I think the being home, especially with my mom cooking constantly, it's been pretty easy to put the pounds back on. Um, she's just, she's been awesome. Uh, she's all, I feel like there's always a meal in front of my face. She's just trying to put that weight back on. So, so what's the, what's mom, the favorite dish that mom makes for you that is your go-to? So, uh, my mom's Korean, so she makes Korean short ribs Mm. and just classic white rice. So that's probably my favorite thing that I've been crushing while I'm home. Not a bad way to be home. Hey, I want to touch a little bit on the field stuff too. Um, I think when I heard about you, a lot of people talked about your defense and how good it was. How did you feel this year about the way you played defensively? Um, I think the beginning of the season, it, it, it started strong. And then coming, I think it comes with that strength piece and keeping your body healthy. I think I just started to, you know, I, I wasn't able to maintain as much strength as I like to. And it, it kind of showed in, in, uh, in the field a little bit, you know, legs got a little tired, um, I just I feel like that was another area that I needed to, you know, kind of pick it up a little bit. I was a little disappointed with how I finished the year on defense, and that's been a big focus this offseason. So what makes a good defender in your eyes? What are the traits of a good infielder, and what do you think are your greatest strengths? Uh, the first thing that I see, at least, is their feet. I mean, they're never in a bad position to field, field a baseball or make a play, so – I think it all starts with your feet and it, it works from the ground up. Um, they also have unbelievable hands and hand-eye coordination as well. And another thing that I really think separates guys like, like that is just the, the ability to focus like every single pitch of the game uh, for 162 games, you know, that, 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 I think that gets overlooked a little bit and uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I think. What do you think are your greatest strengths in that area? Like, what do you feel best about right now? And what are the, and you mentioned the strength you want to grow, the, the stamina you want to maintain through a season. Uh, right now, I, I mean, early in the season, I felt like my feet were working really well. Um, hands would make plays when they needed to, but I feel like my feet were working and then I, I just kind of tailored off a little bit at the end. So, I mean, this, this, this offseason and into the next season, maintaining that strength and that, that stamina is going to be huge going into the, the second half of the season. You also, in this organization, um, it's a priority to be able to play, if you're an infielder, two, three spots. If you're an outfielder, mm-hmm. two, three spots. How much of that did you do at Arizona State? And what was the greatest challenge for you in doing it at the professional level? So when I first got to Arizona State, I actually played second base to, for the first half of my freshman year. And then I ended up moving over to shortstop. Um, but I feel like it just – I just need a little bit more – I don't, I don't know. It, it was just a little, little awkward at first, you know, playing second after playing short for so many years. But towards the end of the season, I, kind of, I got the hang of it, and it was, it was more comfortable for sure. Just a little more time, I think. 
And then on the offensive side of the ball, the thing that sticks out is you're a pretty good contact guy. Is that what you see as your greatest strengths? And, and what are the other areas you think you excel at? I definitely think that just putting the ball in play has always been uh, one of my strengths as a hitter, probably my, my biggest strength. Uh, this offseason has been, you know, more strength-oriented and, you know, swinging the bat a little harder and hitting the ball a little harder. So hopefully that, that comes next year and it, it, it translates a little bit. But uh, we made some adjustments towards the end of the season with the high A hitting coach. He's now the, the big league hitting coach, Brady North. But I think those adjustments are going to be, be uh, huge for next season for sure. For a fan who may not have seen you, what was the biggest change you made? Was it, was it hand position? Was it, you know, a little leg kick? What type of things did you do to add that potential extra base hit potential? So it was actually my second week in high A and Brady narrowed me up. He actually put my feet, you know, like within my shoulders to start before I was pretty wide and I was just kind of closing up. And now I'm kind of working more through the pitcher. And in that last week of the season, I think I hit like four bombs or something. So there, it was cool to see immediate uh, results, but it's, it's still going to be a, a long process to, you know, dial, dial that timing in, dial that, that new stance in for sure. And, you know, beyond all of the, the offensive, the defensive numbers, I think the Rays rely so much on high character guys. You guys, you, you mentioned the clubhouse environment. What would you think your teammates would say, Alika, about you um, in terms of the way you are in a clubhouse on a daily basis? Um, I, I mean, I like to keep things loose. I'm, I'm a pretty laid back guy, you know, in the clubhouse. And then uh, when it comes time to play, I'd say I'd, I lock it in pretty good. But for the most part, off the, off the field, I'm pretty laid back and just easy going. I grew up in California, San Diego, so kind of that, that beach guy. <laughs> well, hopefully you get to enjoy a little bit of beach time in between uh, all of mom's uh, short ribs and rice. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, we hope to see you sooner than later and have a, a great rest of the offseason. Sounds good. Thank you so much. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, great to chat with Alika Williams. And joining us right now is the guy who managed him for part of the 2021 season. That's Blake Futera. Uh, Blake, thanks very much for a few minutes. What impressed you the most in your time getting to know Alika this year? Uh, well, first off, Alika, just as a person, um, both on and off the field, is just a great human being. Uh, he's, he's the exact person you want on your team. A guy that, you know, he, he wants his teammates to do just as well as he wants to do himself, uh, which is, is really cool to have on your team. Um, teammates kind of would always kind of gravitate towards him uh, because he, he's a positive kid that, that is really outgoing and, and fun to get along with. And, and uh, just the way, the way about himself, who Alika is as a person was the first thing that, that kind of took me off 
it caught me off guard and um, really helped me realize what we had in a player, just, just who he is as a person, first and foremost. How much do you, do you think that reflected in how successful you guys were on the field? Because you and Bowling Green and Charleston were the two most um, the two winningest teams along with Durham in, in minor league baseball this year. How much of that attitude uh, do you think impacted the club and kind of filtered through? A tremendous amount. Um, like you said, all, all of our affiliates had a lot of success in 2021. And I do think that a large part of it goes to the type of players and the type of people that we have in this organization. Um, from, from the players to the coaches to the, to the front office, just it's, it's people that care about each other and want each other to have success and do as, just as well as they want to do themselves. And that's who Alika is as a person and as a player. And we have a lot of, of players similar to Alika throughout the organization. And I do think that's, that's part of the reason why we had so much success this year. You know, I touched on it with him, but this year had to be somewhat difficult for guys like him who under normal circumstances, you get drafted in 2020 you go straight to going uh, into, you know, either short season ball or, or something of that nature. And in last year, because of COVID, he didn't get to play. How much rust was there to work off? What were the things that you saw in terms of his development over the course of the season? Sure. Good question. Um, I think that obviously taking a year off for any player is going to be a little strange. And there's going to be rust to be, to be shaken off like you, like you pointed to. Um, I think our organization as a whole did a tremendous job of, of doing the video teaching and keeping in contact with players as much as possible to know what they were doing on a day-to-day basis and what they needed to do to keep themselves in shape and to get better. And Alika, along with a lot of other players in our organization, came into 2021 um, with a good understanding and a good um, – you know, a, a good ground underneath themselves to get going on. Um, and obviously, like you said, there are those, you know, minor mistakes that are made earlier on in the season, especially having after having missed a season. But um, uh, with Alika, he's, he's, a, he's a special player, and there wasn't too much there. What makes him a special player, Blake? What do you see as the, the tools that stand out? Because – you know, Rays fans have not had a chance to witness him. He did get a very short stint up at the AAA level uh, because of all the movement that occurred at the big league level this year, and I'm sure that has to help him going forward. But w- what stood out? I think with Alika, consistency is his biggest thing. You, you know what, what you're getting every day he comes to the park. Um, the way he goes about his business, You come if you come to the park early and you watch him do his defensive work, work on his early hitting, take PP, um, get after taking ground balls during BP and then that same work ethic then trans transfers over to the field during the games. Um, he, like we talked about earlier, he's, he's the leader on the field. Um, especially when he's playing shortstop, he always knows where to go with the ball. Uh, he knows where to be. And he's just, he brings that consistent, that consistent approach of just knowing what you're going to get day in and day out. Let's touch on the tools, Blake. Is, is he stronger right now as a defensive player? What are his strengths there? And what are the other strengths that you see beyond the leadership skills that you see from him as a shortstop, as a hitter, as a base runner? Yeah, in Charleston, he was a, he was a very good defensive shortstop for us that started to so, show some signs of uh, some pop in the bat. And I think the bat is going to come along as he 
grows and becomes more mature and stronger. Um, right now, he's a defensive first shortstop that can play short, second, third. He can play all, all over the infield and make the routine play. Um, and like I kind of hinted at, as he, as he starts to have some off seasons, because this is a kid that has come up through the college ranks, especially at a big power five school like Arizona State, where he, he hasn't really had an off season. He's played baseball probably every day his whole life. And now he's getting to the point where he's going to have a chunk of time where he can devote himself to the weight room and to his diet and to his nutrition. I think once he gets, you know, some, some good weight on himself and, and starts to get rolling physically, I think the bat's really going to carry along just right there with his defense. You've touched on, uh, you know, him being an intelligent kid. What kind of base runner is he? And can he become also a plus base runner going forward? Yeah, he can. I'd say he's an average base runner right now. Um, that's kind of one of those things you see when guys start to get up into the higher levels, the game obviously speeds up and that's something for him where he's going to, he just needs to trust some of the reads that he makes, um, which comes along with experience and playing at those higher, higher speeds, like we talked about, but yeah, I see him as an above average base runner in the future. There's so many, how, how did he take to, you know, you mentioned he can play short, he can play second, he can play third. He sounds like a team kid. How did he take to, you know, the ability to learn other positions? Because that's so vital in this organization. Oh, he took right to it right away. No problem with it. He It's something he wanted to do. It's something he wants to continue to do. Um, by no means does he think he's only a shortstop and doesn't want to go play other positions. He's all for it. Anything he can do to help his career and help the team have success and the organization have success, he's all important. And Blake, as, as you take a look at him going forward, it, it, where is the biggest area do you think that he can grow? Um, and, and where do you see like his future being, um, you know, as a ball player? Yeah, uh, kind of touched on it earlier, but I think his physicality along with his offense, and I think the two go hand in hand for Alika. He has really good bat-to-ball skills. He doesn't swing and miss very much. And I think he's really going to start to drive some balls as he matures and gets a little bit stronger. So I think that's where his area, gro area of growth is for me currently is becoming stronger and a little more physical at the plate. Well, it's great to hear more about Alika Williams. And as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, we turn our attention to the fact that Martin Luther King Day was this past week and the Rays announced their plans not only for their racial equity grants for uh, this year, this past year, but for the year to come. And joining me is Senior Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for the race, and that's Stefan Thomas. Stefan, thanks for a few minutes. Oh, thank you, Neil. I really appreciate you having me on. For our fans who may not know, let's give the background of the grants to begin with and the importance of them. Yeah, so, so back after the deaths of George Floyd, Amart Arbery, and Breonna Taylor, uh, our organization really was trying to come up with what is the the right approach and the right system to to make some sustainable changes in our in our society and really in the Tampa Bay community. Um, at that time, we we felt like a lot of professional sports teams were coming up with uh, with pretty words, but there aren't really action statements to make to make change. Um, so, I mean, I, and I give Stu and, and Matt and Brian a lot of credit with with the idea of creating this racial equity grant. Uh, which, you know, we will do in, you know, sustainably in, in forever, how long as it takes, uh, $100,000 to causes against uh, systemic racism. 
And so 2021 was the second grouping, and you've now announced those award winners. Tell us a little bit about the five winners this year. Yeah, the the, the groups from, from our 2021 cycle uh, really – really did a phenomenal job of, you know, making sure that the core issues from the University of South Florida and Bethune-Cookman University, focusing in the criminal justice space uh, to organizations like the Shirley Proctor Puller Foundation and A. Brown Ministries. And A. Brown does a great job of getting people who recently were incarcerated and, and getting them back on the right, uh, right path in their careers and then lives. Um, and really just making sure that the mixture of wraparound services, focusing on some of the core systemic issues that uh, prevent people of color um, from, you know, fully and fully ingrained into the society. So, I mean, we feel very fortunate to be in a position where we can help some of these organizations succeed. I would assume that there are a lot of organizations who are doing really, really good work. How difficult was it to pick the right ones and how challenging is that? It is because there are so many organizations locally who do who do, are doing so many great things. Um, one of the other groups that we, we awarded last year was the, the Carter G. Woodson Museum. And the, the Carter G. Woodson Museum is the only African-American African American museum in the state of Florida. And they created the, the Woodson Warrior Scholarship Fund, uh, awarding high school students who are going on to many universities and doing many great things. And I was just at their reception two weeks ago and, and hearing firsthand the impact and the stories from those individual students and how this is breaking generational poverty for their families and, you know, being the the first person in their families to get a college education, um, you know, I feel I felt very privileged and honored to be there at that reception, and also that our scholarship was able to contribute to their success. That's great here, and you guys have already started working toward the twenty twenty two winners. Uh, is the process going to be different this year than it's been the first two years? Yeah, the, the process will be a little bit different this year, and, and really the the opportunity for for groups to uh, to apply for this grant. Um, you know, with MLK Day being this past Monday and recognizing the the life and legacy of Martin Luther King Jr., we wanted to announce the application period being open for our racial equity grant recipients. So, from 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 now until the end of February, groups can apply for the racial equity grant. Um, and we'll be making our selections uh, for the, the 2022 recipients, uh, planning hopefully for, for Jackie Robinson Day for this year. Which would be a great way to kind of celebrate the day and celebrate what Jackie was all about. What uh, for, let's say there may be someone with a, a nonprofit who's listening. Um, what are the types of things they need to do to apply? Um, what are the types of things you're looking for in a potential grant recipient? Yeah, the information on the specifics for the grant request is on raisebaseball.com slash racial equity grants. But the, the information you're looking for is just kind of the background information for the organization, what is going to be the, the program that the, is going to go to, and what other collaborations and partnerships. We really want to make sure that uh, the program that the funds are going to is sustainable and it's going to, to benefit our local community. So, um we, we try to simplify the process for our grants where it's, it's a simplified four-page applications where we get um, specific information, where we can vet the organization, make sure that it's going to the right causes, to the right people, uh, and then, you know, making sure that we, you know, it's not just a, a one-off gift, uh, but we're truly that we're trying to create a partnership and a relationship with those organizations that can sustain it for future years as well. And I'm guessing in that regard, too, Stefan, that you guys are looking for, um, when, when you take a look at some of these organizations, you also want a diverse group. You awarded six uh, organizations in 2020, five in 2021, 
and they all kind of hit a kind of almost like a broad spectrum of different areas of racial equity, right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, there, there isn't necessarily one way or one size fits all approach to solving issues against systemic racism. So when we talk about it, you know, it can be food insecurity, it can be criminal justice reform, it can be early education programming. Um, and we, we keep it intentionally broad for that reason, because we want the organizations to come to us with what is the, the need that you have and what, what is the best way that we can help solve that some of those issues that are persisting. And, and let's say if they have, they go through the process, they have questions, do you kind of interview the organizations? Do you sit down with them? How does that eventually get uh, determined? So it, it, it depends on what the application, if there are additional questions, well, then we'll reach out to the organization to specifically ask, you know, this wasn't necessarily clear in the application of the grant form. Um, but really, it's just a, an involved conversation It's doing the research is having these one on relationships, these partnerships, and making sure that the, the connection is there with the organization so that when we do make the selection for that group, we feel that, um, you know, it's, it's, it is a sustainable partnership relationship moving forward. And it's probably also important to note that as an organization, the raise have given out community grants too. Um, are those applied for separately from these racial equity grants? Yes, that's correct. So we historically have done a community fund grant, which you know over the over the years since 2008, we have contributed 1.4 million dollars uh, to the community fund grant program. And the the racial equity grant is new, um, but yeah, those are our two separate grant applications. So the racial equity grant will be you know causes against systemic racism, and the community fund grant uh, goes into more of our of our buckets in the community uh, from wellness, education, youth youth uh, youth responsibility, and social responsibility. So uh, separate grant application process, but both great opportunities that are both open uh, for for groups to to apply for. One last time for the racial equity grant, where can people go? Uh, to apply. They can go to raisebaseball.com slash racial equity grant. And for any other specific questions, you can email uh, socialjustice at raisebaseball.com. Great stuff. Stefan, thanks very much for a few minutes. Thank you very much. Certainly, we appreciate the time of Stefan Thomas to discuss the racial equity grants and also special thanks to race prospect Alika Williams, as well as his manager this year in Blake Butera. Thank you for hanging out with us. And we will chat with you soon.